Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Welcome there to the Tickets Podcast. I'm here with Max Merlin, who is a producer and co-writer of the, of the Jinx. So, Mark, tell back on the Jinx, how, how it works. How uh, the Jinx came to be? Yeah. Um, well, the Jinx came to be because I had written a movie uh, called All Good Things, uh, which was a feature film that went into theaters, and Robert Durst had gotten a hold of the screenplay, and before the movie opened, he decided that he wanted to talk to us, my partner and I, Andrew Jarecki, and um, he called the distributor, called Andrew, yep. and we had a meeting, and he told us during that meeting that he wanted to tell his story, and he thought we would be the good people to, do, to tell his story. Getting for you in the past, you've done stuff like Catfish as well, and everything you've done, also with the, with the Friedmans, everything you've done, your stories are hard to believe, but are true. Yeah, I don't know if they're hard to believe. They're just, they're just uh, a little bit ahead of the curve yeah. of people's ability to believe. You know, now the idea of people, um, you know, making up identities on social media is pretty commonplace. Yeah. But when we made when we made Catfish, nobody knew that was happening in the world. And I guess with what you do now, all your shows you're making now, social media helps you uh, promote the shows because people don't want to talk about it afterwards. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, I always tell people that we're doing the business side people that we sell the shows for licensing or stuff like that. You know, the advertising marketing budgets are probably a lot less expensive than, let's say, House of Cards. Yeah. Because I think for capturing the Freedmans, there was something like, there are like 10 articles in the New York Times about it. I mean, they and obviously Catfish was a phenomenon. They added a new definition for Catfish in the Webster Dictionary. And uh, and the Jinx obviously made a huge impact socially and in, in the media because Bob was arrested during, you know, the, the actual broadcast of the series. Yeah, because the first episode, people in New York couldn't believe that he was arrested. Remember that they're saying, yeah. he's been arrested? Holy yeah, yeah. shit. Yeah. I'm thinking, wow. He was actually arrested between five and six. Yeah. And there was a question whether, you know, I, now I've, in retrospect, I didn't know what was going on back then, but I heard that there was a question whether they would arrest him. They were afraid he was going to flee. Yeah. And it was decided that it was better to arrest him, and he was going to flee when they when they figured that out, when they found two rubber masks, yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash, um, and his passport. But I find that kind of person is very, in a way, he's very smart and very, like, a uh, Hannibal Lecter. And that he's playing, he's playing with the police. Yeah, I think that there's a little of, in making his story come to life in the TV show, in the Jinx, there's a little of him taking a bow for all his misdeeds. You know, there's a little bit of Bob saying, hey, you know, my brother was really good at real estate, and he maybe built an empire, but I was much, much better than he was at killing people. Yeah. And also, see, every, every show you have, there's always a human type of person, they're not, they're, they're bad, but we frame in, in a nice light as well. Well, you try to, I don't think anybody's a pure monster. Yeah. You know, I mean, everybody's got, you know, everybody was born, everybody had a mom and dad, and everybody went through some sort of evolution in their lives, which brought them to where they are when they're doing something wrong. And, you know, if you just show that moment where they're doing something wrong, you're not really telling the whole story. So I think what's frustrating for the audience and also interesting to the audience is pulling back that that moment in time so you can actually see what, what led up to it. Yeah. And I guess with some of the characters, like I know that in, 
you got a lot of characters come into play in the Jinx and each episode something new new happens a new, a new twist right and you said earlier that uh, you like to have, you like to have, have stories that are, that are always have new turns that's right yeah stories I mean obviously you know there's a lot of murder stories out there you can go there's whole, a whole network in America that's dedicated to murder basically and the cop genre has been around for a long time I think what's happening now is particularly in scripted and now with the jinx and making a murder you know you're seeing that these stories are being stretched out over time. Yeah. So those stories need need turns. And honestly, if you dig into almost any story, you'll find turns. But Bob's story had a lot of turns. There were three murders. There, were, there was the fact that he was the heir apparent to a huge real estate fortune, uh, that he had been tried on one of the murders and uh, found, found to be not guilty. There was just a lot of confounding and surprising turns in the story. For me, these stories, when you see something like that and think they've got the money and the power, they can get over anything. Yeah. Well, that's one of the, that's certainly the bigger picture. I also, when I'm looking for a story, I'm looking for for the reason why people should watch it beyond just, hey, the minute-to-minute pushing back of information and turning of the cards and this is what's happening. I think that one of the big reasons why the Jinx was such a social phenomenon was it, it sort of is an illustration about how the rich can get away with anything yeah. in the United States. And I think people are frustrated with that. You know, particularly people who are, you know, in the middle class and the lower classes, it seems like the top 10% can just do anything they want. They don't have to pay taxes, yeah. they can get away with murder, they can do whatever they want. And I guess basically you get tired of a show that is happening and get people to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, well, it hasn't been hard. I mean, because the subject matter and the actual effect that the shows have had on real events after the show was broadcast, or it was in the theaters, like Capturing the Freedmen. There was a reinvestigation of that crime. Uh, obviously, Catfish, there was the Manteo uh, you know, incident with the football player in the United States who was Catfish. It was all over the newspapers. So it's it sort of like bringing to the light things that people are on people's mind yeah. at some level and all they need is to be is to have it, the story told in a good way to open their minds up you know but I guess 30 years ago you couldn't do it because nowadays you got YouTube and then you got Twitter you could have guys coming on YouTube doing a video review of your show yeah but you couldn't do that so you get them back coming out and also guys on Twitter or Facebook will comment you see it last night and get it trending which yeah. is good for you guys yeah I mean I think with the expansion of the platform of television into digital, yeah. which is, you know, obviously where it's going. And, you know, I, I could see a point where everybody's going to have buttons on their TV, they're going to have buttons in their car that are on screens you're getting your, your, your entertainment news and information from. I mean, there's no limit to those buttons, right? I mean, if the quality of the content is there, people will find it. And that's been proven over and over again. I mean, Mr. Robot, um, you know, Fargo... Um, you know, there's a lot of networks that, not, that have not traditionally been associated with high-end and very smart programming yeah. that have started doing it, and all of a sudden people are finding it, and it's a phenomenon, and it's changing the way those networks are perceiving yeah. themselves and are perceived by the audience. I guess something like Netflix as well and Amazon Prime, right. they're bringing their show House of Cards right. and Narcos and other kinds of like that, and you're seeing TV is changing from what it once was. Yeah, for the but better. it's good for the TV makers. 
because there's a real hunger for quality. Yeah. Yeah. And that that wasn't the, the case for a long time. And I guess now for you guys, the budget is there. Their guy is saying, what do you need? What do you want? I'll give it to you. Because now that that, that is there, whereas before it wasn't. I don't know if they actually say that. <laughs> I wish no, they said but that. But if you like the North Coast, that's filmed in, in Colombia. Yeah, yeah. Whereas years ago, that would be filmed in the back lot of a studio in Mexico. Yeah. Now they're filming it where it actually happens. Yeah. Yeah, plus I think, you know, the it's amazing what television has done to the standard and classical form of storytelling, where we used to basically get our three-act structure. Some people called it a four-act structure. Yeah. You go to the movie, get your two hours of entertainment, you go home. Now we've stretched those out to like 20 acts, you yeah. know, multiple stories on top of each other. And I think that's going to change the movie business as well because the movie business has got its its work cut out for it, yeah. you know? I mean, it's a real competition between staying home and watching House of Cards or Homeland and going to the movies, you know? Yeah, well, years ago in TV, it was always had a moral to the story. In the end, like, all these old shows had a moral in the end and the kid was sorry for what he did, I won't do it again. Yeah. Whereas now that's all changed, now we're more real life. Yeah. Also, they changed the whole format. It used to be one crime, one episode. Law yeah. and Order was the king. Yeah. Right? And another episode, new crime, and they go through the crime, investigation, and trial in one episode, one hour. Now you can take that crime, the investigation, and the trial, and you can stretch it into 12, 15 episodes. And that's more interesting. It's just you get to get into the characters deeper, you get to understand the story deeper, you get into the procedure more, the stakes seem higher. You seem to be actually in the same family and world as the characters in the piece, as opposed to watching it, you fall into it, and it's very intoxicating. It's something like, uh, something like uh, when you get up with those TV shows where they have a low order, for example, and have one hour show where the cast and murder and, and, and go for a trial. You never see what's going on on the jury's head. Right. Whereas what you're kind of doing, you're getting to see all sides. Yeah. It's fascinating, right? And it's going to evolve new forms of storytelling. Yeah. Where you're going to see, like, the jinx, you're going to see nonfiction interlocked with fiction more, like OJ yeah. on CBS, which I thought was great. You know, and, you know, then, of course, the more ethical issues that are going to pop up because of that, like using recreations in the jinx. There are people out there that find that aberrant. You know, and they don't like it. And um, and I'm sure that there's people out there that are looking at, you know, the O.J. Simpson television movie, television series, yeah. and they have, they're uncomfortable by the uh, scripted version, the fictionalizing of reality. You know, and anytime you touch anything that's even nonfiction, you edit it and you construct it. You're changing the reality. Yeah, or you always add in basically new characters. And it's, it's, it's two guys put, in, put into one, a new character, with two other characters you don't want to name. Or you get into and you put somebody else instead. Yeah. And at times, that to me ruins it, because I, I want to see on the screen what actually happened in real life and no changes. Yeah. And I guess sometimes you can't do that. Well, I wonder if that's even possible. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's been a long debate in documentary circles about, you know, from Fred Weissman, who used to make those, uh, he just wouldn't turn the camera off, and yeah. he wouldn't make an edit because he felt anything that was edited was impure, you know? And as his, he got older, his his shows, his films became more and more, you know, difficult to watch in some ways because they were unedited. When then you have, you know, people like myself and Andrew who are editing, making recreations, sound design, music. Our title sequence are very scripted-like, you know? And we're, we do, we are creating, and we realize we're creating a form of entertainment. 
you know, regardless of the fact it's not fiction. So there's a balance you have to strike. Well, with you guys, you're making sure that it's, it's watchable. Yeah. Because some of those shows you get on TV, the same old format, and, you, and that's the same old cop each week talking about it, and they recreate the murder, but nothing new is really shown that you didn't know about already. But right. you guys, it's different. Well, I think the nonfiction world, particularly in crime, there's a real tendency to go for the salacious. Yeah. And uh, to do a very surface job on the story and not dig back beneath the monster to find out what brought him to that point, but just to show the monster. And it's like watching a slow motion car wreck. Yeah. And there's appearance in that that people, I think, enjoy, but, but I think it's limited. I think it's also, it, it puts people off in the long run. So there's, we have our work cut out for us. Because I watched this year called ID. And he shows a lot of, of FBI investigations. Yeah. And they're always saying, the neighbors come on and say, oh, he was such a nice man, didn't know he was even a monster. And then, train the guy who's a bad person. But underneath it, what caused him to change? Like, I know that Robert Durst, probably back his mother dying early would have, would have, would have helped. And if, you look, if your mother is, your, is something you really look up to, and when she dies, and that might affect you, like, like, he changed for the worse because of that. Yeah. I mean, you definitely get a sense that Robert is damaged. Yeah that he's probably Aspergian, he's on the spectrum, yeah. and that his the way he deals with difficult emotions is with anger and violence, not to mention he probably has some sort of separation anxiety because he, he says, it doesn't really matter if it happened like this or it didn't, he believes he watched his mother jump off the roof. Yeah. He certainly was in proximity of that, and I think that that really, that was a defining period in his life after that happened. He had a tremendous rebellion from his father, who was a very difficult guy, and to some some people say that. So I think there's a lot there. I think if you're the firstborn as well, that's harder. You've got to look, 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 look to Especially in a dynastic family yeah. with a large amount of, of wealth. Because over here, you get the same thing. Anywhere in the world, when you're the firstborn in a family, you expect to lead the line. And, uh, and if you don't match up to that expectations, then... You, you're locked up down upon yeah. and shunned. Yeah, and I don't think Bob was equipped to be the head of a large real estate company. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, I think the rejection he felt when he was passed over was uh, toxic. Yeah, and I noticed in the first episode of the series, his second wife was saying that your brother's taken out, taken over your, your legacy on, on all your, what you're titled to. Right. In a sense, my view, she's after the money. I can see that right away, gold digging. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, Deborah, honestly, I've listened to all the recordings of Deborah and Bob in prison. I think she genuinely, genuinely loved Bob. Yeah. But two things can be true at the same time. You could be after the money and you could still love Bob. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that she felt a lot of sympathy for him. And I'm sure she's a little tired of the runaround being her, his wife. But, uh, but yeah, she got a lot of money out of it. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, that. Okay. Perfect. That's nice great. Thank you. Likewise. Well, that would be great. All right. Thanks for that. All right. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Great. Got it. I got it. Okay.